Court. My name is Andrea Yeager. I represent Mr. Donnell Hines in this matter. This case presents a familiar fact pattern with a warrantless dog search of an enclosed apartment building where officers lacked the judicial finding of a warrant and do not have an exception to the warrant requirement. In this case, the court should find as a primary matter that Jardines does control the case, that this is clearly an unconstitutional search under the Jardines precedent in the Fourth Amendment, which of course was longstanding at the time of this search. Counsel, even if we agree with you, why shouldn't the Leon good faith exception apply? Your Honor, because the Leon good faith exception requires exactly that. There are fundamental predicates to Leon and Davis good faith, one of which is a reasonably well-trained officer. The next being that that reasonably well-trained officer is in fact relying in good faith on what is apparently a valid search warrant. In this case, we don't have those facts. We don't have a reasonably well-trained officer. Unlike the, the Perez case, which of course came down a few weeks ago, we have in the record established in this case Corporal Kepke's testimony that he, in fact, received no training whatsoever, that nobody had received any training. This is at the transcript. Did the district court make a factual finding about the training of the officers? Your Honor, it was in Corporal Kepke's testimony. The suppression transcript, uh, page 53, line 6 to 54, line 4, where Corporal Kepke describes that there's no sit-down class, that uh, nothing else that would go through a formalized legalities, there's no formalized training concerning Jardines. Quote, nobody has. And again, he reiterates that there's no formalized training. So, Well, that's the evidence. But the, the question was, was there a finding based on that evidence? I don't believe that the district court examined that issue. Do we, do we infer from the ruling on the Leon Good Faith that they didn't uh, find that they were poorly trained? I think you can make that inference inference, Your Honor, but I don't think that specific question was addressed. Leon, and, and more specifically Cannon, outline in particular that good faith, those kinds of exceptions, cannot save the warrant and cannot save the otherwise unconstitutional search if there's not a good faith reliance um, and a reasonably well-trained officer. I think maybe the, the more it, pertinent question here is the pre-warrant conduct of the officers. Could you address that? Yes, Your Honor, there's two, uh, two buildings, two dogs, two warrantless searches. So the first happens on September 12th. That's Canine Curly in the apartment building 914 Betsy Ross Place. So that's building one. But that doesn't necessarily taint the second warrant, does it? I disagree, Your Honor, because both of those warrantless searches in, inform the search warrant that is then later obtained. So K-9 Curly runs through the residential building and hits on all seven doors. There's six apartments, one laundry facility. K-9 Curly hits on all seven. Because what, what I'm more concerned about is what did the officers tell uh, the judge to get the warrant? And was it misleading? How does that play into the analysis? Exactly, Your Honor. Um, the officers did not tell the magistrate judge about any of those things. So they did not tell the magistrate judge that there were two separate searches with two dogs. They did not tell the magistrate that those dogs had hit on multiple locations. They did not tell the magistrate that those dogs had not simply run through the common hallways, but instead gone to the door itself. Canine Curly scratches the door handle. Canine Dawn goes up to the door handle, sniffs, is at least three to six inches from the door handle, and then sits. 
So those facts were not disclosed to the magistrate. The intrusion upon the actual apartment, the nature of the search, the lack of training, the time of day, the multiple searches and the multiple hits in both buildings on seven doors in building one, one door in building two, none of those were disclosed to the magistrate. So the magistrate was entirely without the ability to have all of the relevant legal facts and circumstances. It's a pretty high standard, though. They didn't lie to the magistrate overtly. That's true. But that's not what the exception requires. There is a knowing or, um, omission or, or lie, of course. We don't have lies here, but we have omissions that are in reckless disregard for the truth. And on, under that standard, you but have to the case law at the time, was it clear that they needed to? I guess maybe that's really the issue. I believe so. Because Davis requires, of, of course, you can rely upon existing precedent at the time of the search. That's the Davis standard. But that's not what they're doing in this case. They're not relying on the Scott decision to say, well, Scott says under these facts and under these circumstances, we can search. Instead, Scott is differentiated under the facts, and they're saying because it, it isn't prohibited that we can do that. And that flips it on its head. It is supposed to be under Davis in good faith. We told you specifically that you can do this, and therefore, if you reasonably rely on it, because that's the precedent at the time, you're well-trained, you know about it, it's otherwise apparently a valid and, and uh, lawful search, search warrant, that it's okay. But that's not what's happening here. Here, they're doing the reverse. They're saying it's okay to not get a warrant, and as long as we're not prohibited, then we can do it. In effect, they're asking for forgiveness later and asking for Leon to save the search that is otherwise unconstitutional, rather than doing what they're supposed to do, being protective and getting the warrant first. A warrantless search is per se unreasonable. The standard is to get a warrant, particularly if there's a gray area and there's doubt, have the judicial magistrate sanction the search because they have all the relevant facts and circumstances and have determined that the standards are met. And if you rely on that under that circumstance and the precedent changes later, that's okay. But that's not what's happening. Here there is a pattern in practice of not getting a warrant and then hoping that Leon saves you because you're willfully blind and ignorant of the law because you're not getting training. So you're not a reasonably well-trained officer. You're not acting in good faith reliance on what is otherwise apparently a good search warrant because you're not giving the judicial magistrate all the information and you're not going and looking for that case law. There was no training on is it, Does your argument, is it, does it really pivot on the lack of training, what you sort of kind of a willful blindness? Is that really the core of your argument? That is a portion of the argument, Your Honor, um, because that was not developed in Perez, but is here. And in Perez, it's the same department, the same city, the same officer, the same canine here. But in that record, there was not the development of the lack of training. Here, again, it's the same officer, department, city, canine, almost the exact same time of day in what it, it is not the same apartment building, but has apparently the same apartment structure. And again, officers are saying, let's not get a warrant because Leon's going to save us anyway. They were on notice of Jardine in 2013, Burston in 2015, Hopkins in 2016. And remember, this is Davenport. So you can look out your kitchen window and see Illinois and see the Seventh Circuit. And the Seventh Circuit has Whitaker. 
That came down in 2016, I believe. So they are on notice of all of this precedent, which should alert them that they have at least a potential constitutional problem here. And instead of saying we should do what we're supposed to do and get a warrant, they're relying on ignoring all of this and then hoping that Leon saves them, if for no other reason, by sheer luck. Ms. Yeager, you're within your rebuttal. You can continue if you like or reserve. I would reserve. Thank you, Your Honor. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Chief Judge Smith. May it please the court, Andrew Call for the United States. The government's view is that this case is on all fours with Perez. The searches occurred within one month of one another in the same city. As Ms. Yeager mentioned, they involved the same handler and the same uh, canine. Uh, the only difference uh, is procedurally a little bit in the Perez case. Judge Jarvie found that the uh, ap apartment complex was not curtilage, uh, whereas, uh, and this court then found the good faith exception applied, uh, whereas in this case, Judge Rose found that it was curtilage, but she then applied the good faith exception as this court did in uh, Perez. And while there are a lot of interesting legal issues built into the uh, briefing here, uh, the question comes down to whether there's any meaningful difference between this case and Perez, and the government believes there is not. Uh, as to the uh, Leon test, or, uh, we think that's an objective standard and that the uh, officers could have relied and were relying on uh, case law from the circuit that... Well, what, what about the evidence that was, or the statement, the affidavit made to the magistrate to obtain the uh, warrant? Uh, why wasn't there more information included about uh, what the dogs had actually done. And you're talking about the first warrant? Yes. I think Judge Rose, in denying the Franks hearing in her discretion, found that wasn't necessary. There was uh, the discussion of the first dog, uh, Curly, having uh, alerted on all of the uh, doors in that building. And I, I, I guess her thoughts were that in, in a high-crime area, it, it wouldn't have been a surprise. I, I think that is exactly what Judge Rose's thought process was, and it didn't seem to uh, bother her particularly. Uh, the but, but that shouldn't justify the police being able to essentially search every apartment simply um, because of that. Well, what, what made the search of uh, this specific apartment uh, something where it, there was a, a greater likelihood of the presence of contraband? They had other 
information suggesting that Hines was... What was the other information that supported the issuance of the warrant? The other information was, and it might be something that the court would characterize as hunch information or intelligence information. Uh, there were complaints uh, about uh, activity uh, in, the, in the vicinity, uh, loitering, uh, vehicle traffic. Uh, there was an alleged armed robbery that had not been reported. Uh, this is around apartment 2 at 314 Benson Ross Place, the first uh, place where he had uh, resided. So there were causes for concern with respect to that particular uh, residence. And then, again, the uh, dog sniff gave them the probable cause for the search of that, uh, that particular residence. Uh, but again, uh, with, with a uh, with, with the law being as it was in the summer of 2019. Uh, this, this court had not clearly said that a search of a uh, apartment building, interior of an apartment building, even a locked apartment building, was uh, a uh, Fourth Amendment violation. The court. Mr. Paul, what about the lack of training that um, defense counsel raises? What role does that play in the Leon good faith, in your view? Can it play a role? I think it can play a role, Judge Kelly, and uh, cer certainly, I mean, I, I believe there is uh, some discussion that the officer had had a conversation with the prosecutor about Jardines, but there wasn't certainly uh, any uh, training per se, uh, about that. Certainly that would help in a Leon uh, analysis, but here where, and this is why I am uh, talking, suggesting an objective test, uh, where we have uh, here, and, and this, uh, assume just for, for, the, for the sake of argument, we have two identical searches in one case, the officers know all about the case law. In another search, they know nothing about uh, the case law. The results shouldn't be any different if that's the state of the case law in the controlling jurisdiction. And this is an area of the case law where the law is evolving where the case law, Ms. Yeager mentioned the Whitaker case uh, across the river in Illinois. If you went further to the Fourth Circuit, the law would be different yet. Uh, the, uh, the states are also have been 
on both sides of the issue as well. Uh, this court, as of that time, had not definitively ruled how Jardines applied to a multi-family common law call. We do know that Esther, which is, or Eisler, which remains good law, says there's no reasonable expectation of privacy in the locked hallway, so we have to really, if there's... Is there really any uh, contradiction between those two cases? Yes, I mean, the Supreme Court justices would say there is, because... Well, but there may not be an expectation of privacy in the hallway, but perhaps within three inches of the doorknob there might be. That might be curtilage. Under, under the trespass theory... Uh, rather than under the reasonable True. expectation of privacy yeah. uh, theory that uh, Whitaker went with and that uh, Justice Kagan... I'm just saying that I think you could harmonize the two cases. Oh, I, I understand uh, the court's point. Uh, but, uh, again, uh, you know, and, and, and curtilage is a, is a little bit Difficult of a problem of, of a concept to apply to an interior hallway. Uh, it, it it doesn't fit as neatly uh, as an an analytical tool uh, as it does to an exterior. And I think when you uh, compare Bro Perez and look at uh, Judge Rose's uh, analysis. Uh, here, uh, look at the arguments we've made, to look at some of the other cases, it's a little bit difficult to say, well, how can somebody exclude uh, people from their uh, apartment door in a public, in a public throughway? Uh, I think this is an area of the law that's probably going to continue to evolve, but at this point in time, in August and September of 2019, uh, we do not think it was a Fourth Amendment violation uh, for the Davenport Police Department to use canine searches with, incidentally, the permission of the landlord. Uh, we think, uh, at minimum, affirming that on the basis of good faith, as this court did in Perez, would be an appropriate resolution. And unless the court has further questions, I would... Uh, otherwise submit the case on the briefs in the 28J letter. Thank you, Mr. Call. Your Honor, the language of Leon of Cannon, of Hopkins, those are all quite clear when they state the standard of a reasonably well-trained officer acting in reasonably good faith reliance on an otherwise apparently valid search warrant. If you don't have those predicate threshold showings, you don't have a good faith exception. It, good faith exception is exactly that, good faith. But if you don't have any training either through negligence or purposeful action, then you cannot be acting in good faith. Because if you had, you would have some at least basic training on what the law is. 
the law enforcement officers had Jardine, they had Kilo, they had Burston, they have Leon, they have Cannon, they have Hopkins. All of those cases had come down, and not just recently, in uh, many years prior. If they had looked at Burston, this court has had a similar kind of case and refused to apply the Davis and Leon good faith exceptions because the facts were dissimilar. Instead, they're ignoring the precedent, refusing or at least just failing to be trained on, on the, what the state of the law is and then saying, it's okay, Leon's going to save us anyway. If nothing else, they should have known that this is a gray area and that's why they should be getting warrants and not just relying on Leon to, to bless everything it is that they want to do. It's not a common area in this case because we have the actual touching of the, the curtilage door. This is clearly Jardine's and you should excise the unlawful searches from the search warrant, paragraphs three and five, and then there's no probable cause at that point. I see my time has expired. Thank you, Your Honor. Thank you, Ms. Yeager. Court appreciates both counsel's presentations to us this morning. We will take the case under advisement.